Punk Rocket Show is sponsored by the label Double Helix Records, an independent vinyl first label based in Arizona. Double Helix Records is the label home of Jason DeVore of Authority Zero, Yotam Benarin of Useless ID, Survival Guide, Mercy Music, and many more incredible artists. Their catalog includes everything from guitar-driven indie rock and electronic indie pop to power pop and stripped-down acoustic rock. And, of course, Double Helix puts out plenty of punk rock. They love working with good people who have something to say and their favorite thing is to bring that good noise to your ear holes, especially on vinyl. Check the show notes or visit DoubleHelixRecords.com for more information about the label and their artists. And enjoy this episode! Hey punk rock human, if you like merch as much as I do, I strongly repunkment you the website epicmerchstore.com. They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves and kids merch for more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore and metal bands from all around the planet. So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Friends of Rome, After the Fall, Diesel Boy, Krang, Straight Line, Polly, Randy, and many more. Oh, they also have a Tony Sly tribute merch. They support smaller and bigger bands from all around the world. Plus, they ship worldwide and you can have a flat rate shipping cost. Get your merch at epicmerchstore.com. Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show episode 90. My name is Emily Plamondon. I'm your host. I live in Quebec City in Canada. I'm very passionate about punk rock related music. That's why I started this podcast two years ago because I wanted to know more about amazing punk rock people. And also I wanted to make you discover incredible punk rock bands. Today my guest is the legendary Lisa Brownlee tour manager for the Warp Tour for like 24 years. She's also working for the Punk Rock Museum. She's a visual artist. It was an incredible conversation. I also make you three recommendations for the bands Sunliner from England, Los Infernales from Argentina, and Mercy Music from the US. I hope you're ready, punk rockers, because the show is starting now. Hello beautiful punk rock humans, how are you today? I'm doing good. Except that recently I've had crazy zombies nightmares. <laughs> Probably because I started to watch this incredible series, The Last of Us, based on a video game. It's really good, but yeah, I think my brain feels fucked up about that. <laughs> so I'm having weird dreams. I woke up from that crazy nightmare last night. I don't know, I, th I don't remember properly, but I think it was about... I was thinking that my dad, my mom, my sister were in danger somewhere and I couldn't get help them because of the zombies. And then I woke up and Metallica was next to me, so I spooned her and everything was fine again. <laughs> but I strongly recommend you to watch this series. It's really good. This is the way. I've had a very nice punk rock week. Last Thursday, I went to a party at the radio station CHYZ 94.3 because we were celebrating their 25th anniversary. And if you didn't know, 
have been hosting my radio show Punk Detente there since 2004. And I still do. So it was really fun to celebrate the radio station, especially because I've been there um, 18 years out of 25. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel old a little. She's an old lady. I mean, look at her. She's old. She's too old. So if you follow my stuff on social medias, you probably see that I post some weekly playlists on Instagram and Facebook. I also host weekly lives on Facebook and Instagram. So that's for my radio show. So basically, I record my my file, my, 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 my episodes live and people make requests. I suggest around like nine or ten bands every week. And then I send it to the radio station and they play it. Uh, every Tuesday night so feel free to, to join me every Sunday from 6.30 to 7.30 East we're having a lot of fun every week and we're building rad playlists also this week I booked some shows for my band the 50 Shades of Punk Rock I also started to book my calendar to attend to some great festivals for the summer the fall I did a collab also with the band Fortune Cookie Club the song is called Ensemble. I was singing in French and it made me so happy. So their new album is released. If you want to check that. All of that made me very happy. Oh, and speaking of being happy, have you listened to the new song of Jason Cruz from Strung Out? He has this amazing solo project called Jason Cruz and Howl. So they will release their new album Wolves on April 7th and they just released this new song, a new single, Good Hands. I love it a lot. I'm going to try to interview Jason about this. I want to know what's different about writing for, for Strung Out compared to this project. I have so many questions, so yeah, I'm going to try to reach him. Oh, have you listened to the new Fallout Boy song? They released a new video also for this song called Heartbreak Feels So Good. And it's so good. I'm usually not a fan of this genre, but I have to admit that I'm very excited to hear their new album in March. It's going to be called So Much for Stardust. And yeah, I'm very happy. I'm excited. Like, really? <laughs> also, a few episodes ago, I repunk-mended you the band Melon Ball from Germany. You have to check their new video for their song Sicker. And I'm also very excited because they're going to release their new debut album, Breathe, in March. Fake Names! Oh, if you don't know Fake Names, it's a great band with people from Bad Religion, Refuse, SOA, etc. It's an all-star band. So they have a new song called Expendables, which will be on their new album, Expendables, released in March. Is it me or March is gonna be a very good month for punk rock records? Hmm. Oh, I'm jealous of something. I know I have some listeners from Australia. Hey, so if you're in Australia or you want to travel there, you're very lucky because you could see Trice touring there and play the artist in the ambulance because they will be celebrating this album's 20th, 20th, 20th anniversary. Oof, that's hard. <laughs> so, wow. I wish I could go there, but it's too much plane time for me. I hate flying, so I'm not I'm not ready for that. It's time to 
new patron, Stephen. He's from Vancouver. His favorite bands are Super Chunk, Fugazi, Propagandi. And it's super great because he found the podcast while researching my friend Cal Bullet's YouTube channel. So he probably saw the collabs I did with him and which led him to discover this podcast. That's amazing. Welcome, Stephen. If you want to subscribe to the Patreon and help me finance the podcast, check the show notes. So that's what I wanted to tell you today. Oh, no, there's one last thing. Fuck police brutality. The first repunkmendation for today is for the band Sunliner. It's a great indie punk rock band from Leeds in England. You're gonna love them if you like bands like the Flatliners, Hot Water Music, Against Me. It's really melodic, super emotional, incredible. Their latest self-titled album is so good, I'm addicted to it completely. So let's listen to one of my favorite songs on it. Joe, Joni, Mary and Maria.
to do a quick update about our sponsor, Double Elix Records, because as you may know, I had Emily Whitehurst, aka Agent M, of Tsunami Baum a few episodes ago. She was my guest on episode 87. She has an incredible solo project called Survival Guide. And Double Elix Records is currently shipping Survival Guides RHV 1.5 which is a 7-inch record featuring two AFI covers and two Misfits covers. I talked with Emily about that. And the vinyl variants are very gorgeous. The label is also taking pre-orders for useless IDs. The new double LP called Live in Tel Aviv. This album features 28 songs. It's gonna be out this spring. And it was mixed and mastered by the legendary Jason Livermore at The Blasting Room. Okay, one of my biggest dreams is to visit The Blasting Room in Colorado. Hmm, it's on my punk rock bucket list. <laughs> And this album, Useless ID Live in Tel Aviv, will be available in three stunning vinyl variants brought to life by the master vinyl artisans at Burlington Record Plant. And if you want to know more details about this recording, this album, check the previous episode, so episode 89, because my guest was Yotam Bannerin. So since one of my favorite bands on Double Elix Records catalog is Mercy Music, let's listen to their song, Living With A Ghost.
some legendary punk rock people that you won't necessarily see on the stage but are super important to keep the scene alive. So Lisa Brownlee is definitely one of them and I was totally honored to have her on the show. We talked a lot about her impressive journey in the punk rock scene. She was tour manager for the Warp Tour for like 24 years. So she had great stories about it. She's also a big part of the Punk Rock Museum organization. We talked about all of this, plus the fact that she's also a visual artist. We also talked about how to work under pressure, etc. It was a great conversation. Oh, and we also talked about another important topic our cats. <laughs> so enjoy this interview and if you want you can give me some feedback and also reach Lisa if you check the show notes. Hi! How are you? I'm good, and you? I am good. Uh, got a chance to squeeze in like a little tiny morsel of food between meetings. So, oh, can you hear me properly? I can. I can hear you. Hey, okay, good. Your sound is perfect too. Wonderful. Cool. So I live in New York, so we might hear sirens and all sorts of stuff. We'll see, but but okay. it'll be it'll be real time. You're in the action of New York. <laughs> I'm in action. All right. So you just answered my first question about where are you on this crazy planet? So you're in New York. Are you? So you're in Manhattan? Yeah, I'm in Manhattan. I'm in uh, the Lower East Side. Um, moved here about, I guess, 2010, about 13 years ago. Oh, nice. Good. So I'm super happy to have you on the podcast because I think your journey is amazing with music and all kind of art. So I want to talk about everything about your background about the punk rock museum also of course so maybe you can start with uh, talking to me about how you were i don't know interested in music back in the days specifically punk rock sure um so i'd say i'm you know i'm a little bit older than most of the the punk rockers i have a few folks in my pocket but uh I grew up in South Florida, which was not a very punk rock environment at all. So, mm -hmm. so I found my way in through different resources. Like my aunts and uncles were a similar age to me. So I started going to see like Rod Stewart and Peter Frampton and, you know, stuff like that. Like this, you know, the early seventies stuff, which, which then brought me to the clash oh. and, and, and on the clash, uh, is no secret is my favorite band. Every, everyone knows that I am a live. There we go. Yeah. You have a, also a very nice poster or a flag in your, I saw. Yeah. This yeah. is, let's see where that oh. is. That's the yeah. original, um, Subway size uh, black market. That's one of my prized possessions. So yeah, nice. this is everything over there. You can see is Clash. So so yeah, I started my journey with the Clash, which which you know encompassed a lot of stuff that I like, including reggae mm -hmm. and 
you know, the aesthetic was right for me. And I was already uh, interested in dressing in that kind of that military style. You know, my I had military family members and I was always kind of poaching little bits of their work, little bits of their stuff to to emulate some some clash looks. And that was pretty young, I would say. Oh, yeah. And were you at the time like embracing the values already? Uh Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, like I say, I grew up in South Florida, so it, it, to be completely transparent, the environment was pretty, pretty racist mm -hmm. and pretty driven by a lot of uh, disdain for a lot of people coming in from other countries, Cuba in particular, in my in my era. So, um, so yeah, I, I had I drew a, a strong line in the sand a long time ago about about racism so the clash spoke to me a lot about that even when i was 10 years old you know i, I felt strongly about um mm. yeah. anti-racist actions yeah and how did you became uh, become a part of the the industry the scene how did you get involved specifically in the scene Um, again, I was in Florida, a little bit older, and we started uh, with a group of friends. I had a lot of professional skateboarder friends, regular skateboarder friends, and we realized some people played music and some people were in bands uh, that also skated. So we started doing backyard parties a really long time ago, like uh, putting together friends would have ramps and then we would get bands to play and we just put together these this collective of of uh locals that were it was deeply rooted in in skateboarding for sure oh and, and i started volunteering at local venues and just getting more involved in whatever that was any way i could be part of it hang up flyers or oh, yeah. or at the door or you know be be the biggest fish in my small pond as far as the scene went so you were hired by the venues or the bands to distribute yeah i mean mostly mostly the venues i would say like i would just i would just be relentless right so i would say it wasn't about anything about money it was just being showing up and saying i love this let me help how can i participate it was it was forever before i made one thin dime in 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 music i just wanted to be uh passionately involved in it. I, i was also a hairdresser so i had the ability to cut and dye everyone's hair you know in the scene <laughs> I love so this. everybody loved that right like oh can you know can you shave my head and can you spike my hair and can you whatever that was so so i had that that extra edge where i, I also had a talent where i could fix everyone's hair Wow, I, I totally love this. <laughs> yeah. that, that's great. And because I know you were you, you worked for the War Tour for a long time. So how did you meet uh, Kevin and how did you started to be like tour managing and Yeah, I, I mean, look, I did 24 years of the Warp Tour. There was yeah. 25 years. I did 24 years of that. So um, Kevin and I met on Lollapalooza. I was uh, I started doing Lollapalooza very, very early on. Um, I was in over my head working, pretending I was a tour manager when I had no idea what I was doing. But I thought my backyard parties and my club experiences brought me to the level where I thought I could uh be a tour manager for a, a, a bigger band and Kevin saw that I was struggling and he kind of came in and uh, said, 
you know, let's let's click it back a notch and let's learn and let's prove that you you know that you have the the skills to do this. So so Kevin has been my mentor for an extremely long time and and uh, knew that I had passion to do this. I used to do Kevin's hair. Kevin had long, crazy hippie hair, and I go, let's get rid of that hair. Chopped his hair off, right? So I'd say over the years I've done countless people's hair just because that was my secondary skill that showed hey let me be here right and also then i'll set up your computer and then i'll run and get your food and then i'll you know just proving myself worthy the best i could because it's a lot of organization we don't think about all those details including hair (laughs) so you yeah i mean but i thrive i thrive in chaos and organization this is why i'm i'm built to be a uh a tour manager, right? Like this is, and plus I, I don't have children. I'm grown and I never had children. So it's my version of parenting. I parent adults. Oh, same for me because I, I don't have kids either. And sometimes I love to have bands here on tour so they can have a free place to stay. And I make them like breakfast at 2 a.m. And I've, <laughs> I feel like this. We did that for many, many years. Mona, uh, who is part of the Punk Rock Museum Collective, uh, her and I were roommates for a very long time in San Francisco, which is where we met, met Fat Mike and everybody else. But uh, we had the house, right? Like it was the mm-hmm. punk rock crash house where everybody would come through the years. Uh, really cool place and really cool area. And uh, that's that's where it all happened, right? Years and years. I had a, like a, a juke a jukebox that had eight tracks and you know we had a a big scene going on in san francisco and and mona and mike we've all been friends 30 plus years and and here we are together doing a business together which is incredible oh yeah and um so what was like a day in your life when you were working for warp tour Like, because you have so many things to think about, so many things to organize. Uh, I was curious about the day-to-day life of it. Because as a fan, I was just attending to the show and then I go back home. But like... Yeah, I mean, look, it's a a 24-hour job. Mm -hmm. But I started at the beginning. I started working in sponsorship, thanks to Kevin. And then I started... I worked my way up. So I, I saw what the days were like and I knew what I was getting into. Oh. And I still wanted that very bad because I, I like I say, I, I thrive on problem solving and, and organization and the work. And, and Kevin, again, let me, let me make, work my way to the top. Like I say, I started here and then I became the tour manager of the Warp Tour for many, many, many years. And not without my team around me and not without mentors before me that, that gave me a lot of lessons. But but a day in the life of, of the Warp Tour is the first person awake, the last person to sleep. Yeah. You, you are, uh, you know, it's, You're overseeing a team that oversees everybody else. I always say I tour manage tour managers. That's that's more my thing. Like I was a tour manager for a long time, so I know what the trials and tribulations are. And the Warp Tour is a different beast because somebody like me and our team is is basically the tour manager. So we're regurgitating all the information to the tour managers to take care of their people. Yeah, it's just, so it's, it's, it's uh, tour managing tour managers, really, is what that job is. Yeah, because bands have tour managers, so they were involved in the war tour, so you had to, to deal with them. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of it is fun, too. Like, we, we do our regular day with the, the basics, with parking the buses and the hotels and the 
all the logistics. But then the night comes, we're, we're done early, and then you want to have some cool event because you're all stuck in a parking lot, right, in the yeah. middle of nowhere. So the, the fun part of my job was always planning the, the after show events, like the barbecues oh. and, the, and the theme parties and all the stuff that was really fun that got everybody super bonded together. And that, mm-hmm. that to me was the fun part of the job. Like my job was technically done at a certain time, but then I go, no, let's have a party. Let's have a theme. Let's all do this together. And that's the fun part. Like every day, every night. <laughs> For every day, my- every night. Every day, every night. How That's right. How many dates were on on the work tour again? How many dates total every year? Well, I can't even recall, but but you know, there's there's a uh, kind of a famous saying that if you can do the warp tour you can do any tour because it's yeah it's brutal oh, it's yeah. hot it's in the summer you, there's hundreds of people waiting to use a couple of showers you're waiting in line for catering for yeah. endless hours so it's but you you built lifetime friendships on that tour and it's still the most important thing that i've ever done to me at, at, of all the years and i've been doing this for a really long time Yeah. Uh, what's your speaking of that? What's your best memories overall of the? Of all I mean, I would just say a lot of it has to do with the after show mm-hmm. stuff, like the bonding period that you have with people, because you're you're looking at bands that would never hang out together if they were not forced to be in a parking lot together. But everybody, you know, we don't have catering after a certain time. So everybody has to go to the barbecue to get food. Mm-hmm. And then you, th- we've created this really cool party. So everybody's just hanging together and it's, it creates this giant, massive family bond that transcends gender or, or anything. It's just a huge celebration yeah. of what we've done through the day. And that's, that's, So you, my favorite memories. You created friendships for you, but also you were uh, witness. You were witnessing. Is it a word? Witnessing. Yeah, that is that <laughs> is a word. Bonding together and create families, and you're like, huh, I'm a part of it. Yeah, we watched. I mean, look, an example would be uh, Kevin Lyman's daughters. They were they weren't even born when I met him in Lollapalooza, and then you know they. They grew up in our office. They'd be there every summer. They learned mm. how to just kind of be part of what we were doing. And now they're both career doing this in their career. So I've known them before they were born, watched them grow up. And as adults now, it's incredible to think that wow. entire experience happened through Warp Tour. Oh, that's beautiful. And Uh, at the time, were there a lot of women in the industry? Probably not, because even today, there's more of us, but not a lot. So at, what was it at the time? How was it? Yeah, I mean, th- I feel like there was compared to being on Lollapalooza. I feel like Warp Tour was had had more women, but it was, you know, it. It was in different areas. There was press and there was catering and there was different areas. But I always feel like Warp Tour was a place for ladies to understand that they could be and feel mm-hmm. comfortable and, and find mentors. And by the end of the 25th year, you know, I would say we were at least 50-50 on women. And particularly in our office, we had all women, right? The production was was all female. 
Ah, great. And now we have two more with Kevin's daughters. <laughs> yeah, now we have two more with Kevin's daughters. And it's not that we, that was the preference, preference. It just kind of migrated that way, right? Like with the even temper and, and, uh, I don't know. It, it just, it, it wasn't chosen that way. It wasn't like, let's go out and see if we can get some more females to work here. Those are just the people that, that shined with us. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who stuck with us. There was a lot of us for a very long time. Yeah. How did you manage like stress back in the days about the work tour? Because something can happen every day, every night that not threatening the festival, but, but, maybe sometime it happened that you had to cancel or something. So right. how, how are you able to handle? <laughs> and, I mean, it's, today. it's Kevin, Kevin and I work really closely together on every scenario. I mean, like something as simple as the weather, right? Like a weather, yeah. we rarely canceled any shows, but we were constantly threatened by weather because we had a summer festival. So mm -hmm. you, you have to have a partner that could, you know, he's out there dealing with, the crowd and I'm inside dealing with the artists, like communication is, is everything. And, and having, having a team around the, you to support that is everything. So how did I deal with the stress? I just leaned into my coworkers and my mentors and my partners and, mm -hmm. and artists and just hope that everybody was on the same page about what, what the, what the best solution to the problem was. That problem, problem solving. <laughs> yes. Problem solving. Oh, yeah. But uh, did, uh, did it happen that you were like, fuck, I just don't know what to do <laughs> with a situation? Yeah. I mean, like I say, I am a bit older than everybody else that was on the tour with me besides Kevin. So we we've had our trials and tribulations with tours in the past with with Lollapalooza and scenarios. Mm -hmm. So even as the decades go by, there's new problems and new solutions. But when you base your stress on problem solving, whatever that can, you just have to be a listener, right? You got to listen. What is the problem? Oh, yeah. You don't offer a bunch of solutions till you hear the problem. And that's, that's what you do. What, what, let me hear you. What is your real issue? And let's see how we can, we know what the problem is. What is the solution? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good thing. Because <laughs> a lot of people couldn't handle that kind of pressure every day, even if it's fun. It's also very fun. But. Yeah, I mean, look, by the time I go to bed at night, I am, you know, I'm a zombie. I'm just like... For four hours? <laughs> yeah, for four hours. I get my four hours of sleep in. <laughs> you know, the, the, the chaos is, is uh, inspiring. When I come home and I don't have it, I go, well, you know, where's the chaos? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. My cats are my chaos now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can be actual chaos <laughs> my cats are my new chaos oh yeah um so after warped or you kept or maybe uh, between each tour you were uh, managing other bands i think you worked for <laughs> justin bieber <laughs> true story also. yeah i went out with bieber i uh I do a lot of security. I'm licensed in bonded and security, which is funny because you look at me, I'm five foot four and pretty small stature, but it, it's, it's all about uh, problem solving again. Right. It's not like, can I beat you up? Because I obviously can't, but do I have a smarter solution than you may have to an issue? So I always let people believe mm -hmm. 
what what they want to do is what I want them to do, right? Like you can see better if you stand over here and they go, I can, and I go, yeah. And then they move to where I need them to be. Right. So it's, so that, so I did, yeah, I did, I, I did Bieber and uh, you know, thanks to my buddy Sully, who is our head of security for work tour forever. He, he knew what I was capable of and he trusted that I would be the right fit for that oh. tour. So he took me with him. Thank you, Sully forever. Oh. Um, which was crazy for me because I don't been working in punk and alternative forever and not in pop. And it was yeah. why. Was it a why? total different way to work? Was he super famous at the time already? Incredibly beyond at the peak of his fame. Oh. At, the of his fame. at the second coming in the peak of his fame, I would say it was uh, he was just, you know, becoming an adult and working with a lot of hip hop artists and mm -hmm. an incredible performer. Uh, I have nothing but, but love for the tours that I do with him and the, and I respect nice. him. Oh. So, um, but yeah, I, I kept my foot in the door often. I, I have been doing a uh, festival style tour managing forever, including the AP tours, the taste of chaos tours, oh. uh, Avalanche, Country Throwdown. A lot of these were spinoffs from John Reese or Kevin Lyman. So I, so anytime that there was a festival, even if no bat, no matter how big or small, they they brought me in because that's kind of what I do. I oversee festivals, and and when I'm not, I I love to go out with the band. Just oh yeah. Uh, you definitely need because sometimes I talk to to bands member and they are kind of addicted to the chaos you're describing. They are addicted. In, it's just a way to speak, but to the the adrenaline and dopamine. So between two, yeah. they are like, "What am I doing? I feel depressed." <laughs> so they always it does. It does. I equate it to going, uh, not that I've been to outer space, but I say this is must be what it feels like when you go to outer space and you have to come back oh, yeah. to Earth and like get your footing back on Earth when you go away for a long time on a tour. And to be fair, I, I'm, as much as I love it, I, I still, I, I'm ready to take a few steps back from it and, and, and have a life. I have, I have one tour that I still love so much and it's, it, I consider it kind of my baby warp mm -hmm. tour, but it is my, it's my new heart and soul, which is the sad summer fest. And I love that tour. I love the, the people I work with and I love the, the, uh, tours that they put together. It's a a lot of fun for me to go out and do that still so it's one thing that I, I'll keep on my calendar oh yeah so after all those tours all those years you are definitely a reference in the punk rock scene so seems like a natural fit that now you're involved in the punk rock museum so how did it happen for you I spoke to Vinny already on the podcast but so yeah he yeah. talked to me a little about the how they got the idea and stuff but i want to know your implication in the project because it's great yes uh so let's see like i say i've been friends with uh, mike fat mike for a very very long time um and uh max from the swinging udders um went to see mike in california uh after he got out of rehab and max and i were like you know, the punk couple in the early, I don't know what, 90s or something. Like, he lived at me at that punk party house that I told you about. So uh, I went out for a long time with the Swingin' Utters. So, we've, you know, it was, we've all kind of 
kind of been in that pocket with Mike and, and I guess uh, Mike kind of pitched the idea to Max to do a place in Vegas that was going to be like a retail shop and a record shop that would be called Max and Lisa's, right? He's like, I want to do this in Vegas. So it can be called Max and Lisa's. So they called me up. This is, you know, just a little bit past COVID. I think it was near the holidays. And they're like, let's do that. It was really early in the morning for me, which means late at night for them in California where they were. Yeah. Let's do this. And then really quickly it migrated to pitching the idea of like, why don't we throw up some memorabilia or artifacts? Why don't we make it more like a museum? Because I knew at that time there was a lot of bands that I was talking to that were going through their archives because they had all this downtime. So they were putting out their 30 year anniversary books, you know, Bouncing Souls, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of bands that I was already speaking to that were, were in this like nostalgic phase because they had time to dig through stuff. And from there, it just, the idea was born and we brought a team together quickly and we go, we are the Punk Rock Museum. Let's do this. Such a great idea. I'm so excited. And do you know why it was postponed? Because I almost... Okay, Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't me that um, it would open in January and I almost bought plane tickets. <laughs> to- well, I am glad that you didn't. Uh, why, why was it postponed? I guess because we, we bought a building, which means mm-hmm. we... Uh, rebuilt it from scratch right after a pandemic. So there's a lot of stuff licensing wise and permitting wise and supplies wise that, that don't let you truly evaluate your timeline. Right. So right when you feel like you could be done there, you know, a permit may be missing or permissions may be missing. So, so some things are just strictly out of your hands. We've been working on this for a couple of years and that was the goal, but the, the goal you know, sometimes slips away from you when you don't have control of, of the stuff that you need to open. Oh, chaos. chaos. Oh, chaos kitty. She Hi, was, chaos kitty. She was like, My baby she's going to say, she was walking around and I was like, is she going to jump or not? So yeah, it's, it's Metallica. But, but she, she wants to, sorry, I need to get her down. No, more shallow. I love seeing the kitty there. Hello, sweetheart. sweetheart. She's really cute, really nice, but super annoying sometimes. I guess you fail. I want to recommend something to you. I've been yeah. doing this. I, I mean, it's like a bad parenting, I think. I, I, I often want to say, is this bad parenting? But I have this like old iPad in my bedroom. And as I'm working constantly on my computer, mm-hmm. the cats are interested in what's going on, obviously, and they want to be by me. So I put the iPad in my bedroom and I put on cat TV. <laughs> it was, it's through YouTube and they are transfixed by it i go am i am i letting my cats watch too much tv <laughs> too but much they, screen time they're gonna get like 88 yeah i go but is this bad or not or is this something that's good for them but it keeps them off of my desk it keeps them off of you know it, being in my screen every time mm-hmm. and they seem to love it so i'm gonna recommend cat tv i'll try it but i think i i I tried in the past on the TV, but she's not responding to TV. Maybe an iPad is better. So it's like yeah. birds and animals and. Oh yeah, they're crazy. They're both crazy for it. I have all these funny. I don't even TikTok, but one of the first TikTok <laughs> things I do, I go, cats watching television. Come on, that's such a good TikTok. <laughs> you should have a um, part of the museum about uh, artists' cats, because <laughs> a lot of people yeah, love I mean, cats. Like- I already have a hard time with the cat thing because I, at the beginning of this, Mike's like, you got to move to Vegas. You got to be boots on the ground. You're the person. Oh. 
you're the spokesperson and we need you in Vegas. And I go, that's before I got cats. And then I got cats. Mm -hmm. I fostered, fostered, didn't have any attention to keeping them. And then they are, you know, I got them when they were feral. So they're super scared. And I go, I can't, I can't even get my cats to the vet. I'm not coming to Vegas. I can't fly them to Vegas. He's like, are you really not coming to Vegas because of your cats? And I go, Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I totally understand your why. You get it, right? Cat people get it. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Are they old? Old or? No, they're, they're young. They're oh. three, two or three. I don't know how old they are because I got them they, from a foster. They can maybe manage a plane ride, but... Ugh. No, they can't. Let's just say they can. They're not going. They're not going to Vegas. They're not going. They're st- they are New Yorkers. It's fine. New York cats. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be great to have a cat section in the museum. I talked to Jesse Michaels two years ago, and <laughs> we were on Zoom like this from from Operation IV, and he was showing me his cat, and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, mine are way asleep. Let's see if we can see them. See, they're in their ba- Where are they? They're in their basket over there. I don't know where they went. I can't see. Over there, but they are, uh, they eat. Uh, so I fed them right before this oh, thing. Shad. Where are you, beautiful cats? When you live in New York, particularly in the type of building I live in, it's like pre-war. So you have radiator heat and it only comes on certain yeah. times of the day. The rest of the time is cold. So after they eat, the radiator comes on and they just snuggle down real hard for a while. Oh, send me a picture later on Instagram. <laughs> I will do. I'm going to yeah. send you a picture of them yeah. watching television. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Uh, okay. Where are you located? Where are you located? I'm in Quebec City in Canada. Quebec so. City. I was just there recently. Uh, Quebec City? Really? Uh, let's see. I finished up a tour with, uh, just went out with the Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction. Mm. Oh yeah. They were, they were playing here a few months ago. Yeah. In September, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was there for that. I was ah, there. Oh, nice. Oh, next time you you come here, tell me, you know. Yeah, I will. We'll Absolutely. Coffee. We'll have coffee or something if you have time. So Punk Rock Museum. Okay. So, um, what are the most recent artifacts you found? Or kind of, maybe you don't, you can't tell. Exactly. Well, you know what? A lot, of, a lot of what we're working on right now um, is is narrative, right? Like it, telling a lot of stories through imagery because artifacts are fantastic, and we obviously we're a museum, so we're going to have artifacts. But part of what this is is not necessarily considering everybody that's coming here is punk rock. Mm-hmm. How do you weave the story together? Uh, you know, a guitar is a guitar on the wall, unless you've got the entire story yeah, about it, it. It's mm-hmm. not interesting. Right. So, so what we're working on right now that I'm really excited about is, is creating the narrative to let people form their own opinions about what, what they're seeing, right? Like a guitar is a guitar, but you're taking a chronic logical look at punk through the decades yeah. and going through regions to say, Oh, well, if this is a guitar, in NorCal 80s, it could belong to A, B, C, and D, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, everything is going to be interesting, but it's only interesting if it's it's got a narrative with a story yeah. behind it. Otherwise, it's just another artifact hanging on a wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for some people, they uh, allow you to keep instruments. Sometimes it's clothes. Sometimes it's what else? What, what other? Yeah, we... we 
The difference with this museum, I'd say, and not that I'm a museum expert, is that we allow people to loan us things, right? So I, one of the pitches is let us uh, be your sto- temporary storage, yeah. right? So, so you get all this stuff in your storage at your mom's basement or wherever you have it. Why not let people see it? We will display it for a little while and then you can have it back. I know you don't want to be without it for the rest of your life, but yeah. can you be without it temporarily? So I think that's that's what's really interesting to people is that they get a chance to show off part of their stuff, but then it comes back to them. So that's, I think the really cool part is that it's never going to get stale. It's always going to continuously be interesting and refreshed by, by the next thing that comes in Mm -hmm. or the next person that wants to put something on loan. And we're, we're at the place where right now where everything has been like knocking on doors, trying to get stuff. But you know, once this thing opens and we have, proof of concept it's going to be opposite like we want to you know the hope is then people would like to contribute and be part of this we're we're going through the hard part right now where we're mm-hmm. trying to prove our concept and then when it is proven and it is successful yeah then they will come to us i like that people you have objects from people who still um love their objects they they still value them they don't want to get rid of it so as a fan it's super fun to see like oh i don't know laura jane grace gave allowed them to keep i think it's a shirt she gave she gave for now yeah very cool piece a very cool piece so she so we can look at her shirt and we know that she still wants it (laughs) She's still, yeah. so yeah. it's it's like the the love and the I don't know the personal value. It's it's even even better like that. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, every day that I look at the collection or what's coming in or what we're asking for or what we've been able to gather, I am personally blown away. I go, this is incredible. It's almost overwhelming to the senses how many. Mm incredibly cool things have come our way and, and it's not all just like i say no no offense against guitars leather jackets and and clothing but there's so many interesting pieces that are mm-hmm. so exciting to think about when you when you put them into perspective with with uh, a narrative right mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely and i think Vinny told me that you're gonna have some specific teams thematics sometimes Or oh yeah, 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 the, yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely going to be. I mean, there, something that I think people are really going to love is we have something called the Jam Room, which uh, it, a lot of musicians that people still probably really care about uh, have donated instruments that people can physically play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 An example would be like Fat Mike's bass, right? Like you, it's his actual bass. It's going to be in the Jam Room, and you can pick it up and play the bass, and that's. For a lot of people, that's really cool and interesting. For me, I I could probably care less about it, but do I see its <laughs> value? Yeah, right. Okay, uh-huh. I, have, I have a request. You need some left-handed guitars for me. <laughs> All right, that's that's you know what that's a great idea because we are already doing uh, really cool tour guide things, and I I only hope that this entire idea continues to grow and expand, and everybody comes up with really cool. You know what you can do in this space? Like eventually I want to have a really DIY space where people can come in and put their own studs on their jackets or silk screen a shirt or, or, or just be part of the DIY. What we did, did scene, right? Like how we made 
our stencil t-shirts and whatever it is that we did before we had all the access to to retail. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's great. And <laughs> you can get married there. You can have a drink. So it's like a total experience. Get a tattoo. Get a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I think of this more, although museum is the name of our title, I think of this more as a really cool, uh, like punk rock church, like everything you could want is here. It's, it's your mech, like your punk Mecca. You're going to go to Vegas. You could do whatever you want here. It's, it's, it's for people who are punk and people who are not to discover Mm -hmm. it. And and it's not just, uh, uh, one fast. There's, you could do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And do you feel that the fans are excited? Do you already, you know, Because I think we could buy some bundles and some passes. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I can definitely see the excitement growing and watching. I mean, watching social media grow for us. It's crazy. uh, Just by word of mouth without doing too much Mm. anything. We we weren't picked up by any really cool press or anything at the time. This was all just showing interest in the others and what we were doing. And that's, that was really great. And I have to hand it to Vinny. Vinny is like such a huge part of what we're doing. He's so, he's like a really great, uh, our entire team is incredible, but I love working with Vinny because he's just so even tempered, but he's got great ideas and, and they go forward. I just think we've got an incredible team that we call yeah. the collective working on this and we, and we you can't fail at that point so what's your day-to-day working for the punk rock museum compared to the like tour managing warp tour chaos and stuff <laughs> i'm in tr- I, you know, I, I love to the, ask that question it's still the same thing for me because i'm still at my desk however many hours a day but i'm in my own home with my cats I can go get a coffee if I want. I can go to sleep in my own bed. It's still a lot of work. It's a ton of work. Mm-hmm. And and everything is remote. So we're talking about different time zones. We're talking about people all over the place. And everybody's got meetings here and there. The difference here is everything is happening remotely. So we don't all get to like war room style like you do on tour. Like, oh, there's a problem. Let's all get together and talk about it. Here it's oh, can I get you in 15 minutes while I have a meeting? Can I talk to you then? It's it's a lot of navigating time zones and multiple meetings because everybody's doing yeah. their own portion of the work here. So it's, uh, you know, we have a couple of times a week that we all get together. And when you do, there's so much to talk about in that short period of time. But then you've got to actually execute what, what the tasks are after yeah. that. So it's similar yet different because it's it's a bit more isolated, which is is uh, how I've always worked. But then when I'm on tour, it's way different. I, I miss what I call the war room style, where everybody can problem solve together in person in real time. Yeah, so you have best of both world doing different things. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I do. I, I, I yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel I don't say lucky because I don't use the. Yeah, yeah, term, yeah. I, I, you know, I uh, went after what I wanted for a very long time and I end up getting there. So people always go, you're so lucky you're doing this and you're so lucky you're doing that. I go, it has nothing to do with luck. It has everything to do with the effort that we put in. So. Effort, interest and yeah, handling stress. 
And yeah, totally. Also, I I'm very impressed by the fact that you are an artist. You are doing oh, amazing you. collage, and I want you to talk to me about that a little. You are you did some uh, album covers, uh, covers. Yeah, that's great. You know, I've never had much free time or any time to do something for myself, and I, you know, during COVID, when I was younger, my you know my mom was an artist, and I've always had an interest in oh. in creating, um, in some way, shape, or form, whether it be fashion or whatever it is. But when I, uh, when the pandemic hit, I was going out of my mind like everybody else. because I had nothing to do. And I lived alone and I had a handful of magazines and, uh, I'd, I've always been interested in mixed media stuff. Like how cool it is that there's no format. You don't have to be trained. You could just do whatever you like, whatever you're thinking about. So I would drink a whole bunch of whiskey and get out some magazines and just make whatever was in my brain. Right. Like I go, Oh, I dreamed about this. Let me wake up and make it because I needed to stay focused on something. And, and I didn't share it for the longest time. Just people who knew me would say like, Oh, what are you up to? I was like, Oh, I made this. They're like, why, why aren't you posting that? Or why don't, so then I decided to kind of start posting some stuff that I was doing. I was uh, fascinated to find that people liked what I was doing. And then that inspired me to continue to do it. And, um, I never attached my own personal name to it for a while because I wanted to see if people liked what I was doing versus, Oh, I'm Lisa's friend. So let me see what she is. You know, yeah. I'll like it for that. So when I saw that people who did not know me were interested in, you know, my, my name, I made up MS dot miscellaneous. I thought, Oh wow. People might like this. And it works that way with everything. The more people like something, the more, mm-hmm you keep wanting to do it. So, so I just kind of shot my shot and continue to do it. And over the period of time, tons of people started offering me vintage magazines and I I have like a massive collection of magazines and I just started experimenting and then started selling them from there. And then I got an art show uh, in LA with punk rock and paintbrushes. And I sold quite a few pieces there. Thank you to Punk Rock and Paintbrushes for always supporting, you know, new and upcoming artists. And then a few friends said, I would love, the kid, you know, we'd love for you to do a record cover, Amberetta. Amberetta, um, yeah. Great band. Nice, yeah. And I've always been fans and it, it was just this really great symbiotic thing. So, so for the first time in my life, I had something that wasn't for somebody else. It was just for me. It was like, I am doing this for me. And when I had that show the first time with punk rock and paintbrushes, I thought, wow, this is, I'm not doing this for anybody else, but me, I made a show. I'm putting this show up. I'm selling my art. Who's tour managing me at this time. (laughs) So yes, thank you for, thank you for bringing that up because it does get lost in the background. And I am trying to be a little bit more, proactive uh in the new year and i've I've actually carved out a day of my week mm-hmm. even from the museum where i i dedicate that to my myself and my art wow. so, so i relate to that a lot because i've been hosting a radio show here for 18 years i have a day job too i'm doing this podcast and i really want to write an album with my bands but we are so busy 
everywhere all the time that I don't take the time. And I was like, I, I promote bands, I promote artists all the time. And I really have this fire inside me that I need to do my stuff, but I need to take the when the when the levy breaks you will do it like for me i go what is what is important and i didn't have the experience till i had the experience and then i go i need this i need this for and i'm a libra and i believe deeply in balance so i believe in keeping you know not tilting the scales too far and i and i thought this is what i need for a bit of bit of balance so i set work boundaries i set personal boundaries and i Uh, after this last tour, when I came home, I said, I, I have to have a day to myself. And it's because I've learned that, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm 55 years old and I've been doing this since I was in my twenties. And I, I, now I go, the time is going too quick and I need to have some of that for me. So I'm going to recommend you look into carving out some time for yourself. Oh yeah. And everyone should think about that. It's so important. And you know, you feel sometimes frustrated like for instance if because it happens that some bands put pressure on me and I used to be able to deal with this but sometimes I'm like bitter you know like ah this band doesn't understand my life and I spend my life to promote other bands and some bands treat me like that but I, I, the thing is that I know that I should put time on stuff for myself and so something you'll know when it when it happens so when it know. hits when it gets to that point you will know and it, it and it will be a matter of you know almost life and death like a, how am I going to uh feel good about what I'm doing otherwise you'll start resenting what you're doing and I don't and I don't want that in any way I don't want I want to uh You know, even if it's a small percentage to myself, if I give 20% to me and 80% to the rest of everything that I'm doing, I think that's still a good enough balance. It, is, it, still, it still lets me know that I am uh, carving out space for myself. And that's, that's important. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, a good uh, life lesson right now. So yeah. and about the Punk Rock Museum, do you know when it's going to open finally? I think it's in March, end of March. Yeah, we have the date set now as March oh. 10th. And again, yeah. that is the date. You That is the 99.9% date. You never, you just, you know, you never know when you're opening a, mm -hmm. a startup what could happen. It could yeah. be, I don't know, a hot air balloon falls out of the sky and crashes on your roof. But barring any like uh crazy production stuff that is the date that we have set is march march 10th good i'm excited it's gonna be great do you know if you're you're gonna do some virtual tours for people who don't have the money to to go there or don't or can't i, I imagine that's probably that's bound to come in the future Eventually. it's right now we you know the, we want to get the doors open and have this sure. in-person experience but i i i believe that there's so many possibilities for the future that it's yeah. hard to say i would say yes to almost everything that we can do that that would let people experience this place um i You may know this or not, but I used to live with Arturo Vega from the Ramones, and he was a very close friend of mine. And when he passed, mm -hmm. uh, I was part of the gallery, the Arturo Vega gallery that opened up here in, in New York. And there was a, a camera at all times just 
there. So anybody coming or going through the gallery, no matter what the show was, you could just be a part of the gallery just by kind of looking in and watching people mm -hmm. come and go. And that was exciting because not everybody can make it here. So, so I think whatever we can do, if it's create archives online or if it's yeah. uh, podcast from, from the museum or whatever it is we can do to share the project is probably bound to happen eventually. I would love to go there and do some live interviews. Ah, it's my new yeah, life goal. Yeah, right. Do <laughs> uh, sure, you know who Matt Stocks is? He's a uh, yeah. British... Uh, he, he's, he's a... He's, fantastic he does a lot of what you do a lot of very cool podcasts but we, we've all had lots of conversations about how we keep this uh current right so we we're we're a brick and mortar but you also have to stay current with what what was going on and how can we get more people interested because mm -hmm. we're gonna have an online shop there's going to be plenty of things that people can still yeah, take yeah. away if they can't make it mm, good So, but you know what? You're, you're a legend, so you should definitely put one of your art piece, uh, one of your collages. Oh, I better tell them. I better tell them. I better tell them I'm doing that. Hey, we, we have lots of ideas in the, in the background. Vinny and I uh, have, have been brainstorming about like uh, punk rock bingo games we can create yeah. and different prints we can create because both of us do a bunch of graphic art, right? Like he... He's a visual artist as well, so we uh, we still have our roots in in some visual art. So coming up with some of that stuff is is yeah. bound to happen. For, you know, exclusive prints for inside of a leather jacket or whatever the case may be that that we can all use our skills to and incorporate what we love to do with what our job is. Definitely. All right. Thank you so much. It was a great Thank you so much. I love talking to you. Next time I'm going to get a podcast and interview you because I think you have a lot of interesting stuff to say. So I hope, hope we stay in touch. And, uh, oh, I would and love thanks that. For, thanks for using your time to, to share what, what everybody's got going on in the world. My pleasure. I love, I love this project. I think you have an amazing journey, amazing background. So I was really happy to know more about you today. Anytime you, you come in Quebec City, just tell me. And if you have time and you're a very busy day, we could have coffee and just... Uh, yeah, I'll make time. There's always time for coffee in my world. All right. Thank you. Have a great night in New you York. Too. Good night. Bye-bye. The last repunkmentation for today is for the band Los Infernales, formed in 2019. They are from Argentina. I hear a lot of influences like punk, hardcore punk, punk and roll, garage. It's really, really good. Last October, they released a great EP called Calma Ya. So let's listen to their song Muere la Oscura Habitación.
great time with me today. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Double Elix Records, EpicMerchStore.com. Thank you to Scott Holquist for co-producing and editing this show. If you want to support the podcast, you can subscribe to your favorite platform. You can give me feedback and suggestions. Reach me on social media. My username is Punk Rocket. Please, please, please share this episode if you liked it on your social media. You can also write a review and give me five stars, maybe, if you liked it, of course. Please give some love to the band I Rip Punk Mend, to my guests too, and to my sponsors. We're all a big family. We all deserve your punk rock love because we love you too. I can't wait to be back next week, but until then, punk your life.